Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Would you get your Bibles out this morning and go ahead and begin to turn to Luke chapter 7 with me today. Uh, Again, we're honoring all the moms here and I'm grateful for every single one of you. I don't know about you, but I think motherhood is one of the greatest, uh, most challenging, most fulfilling, most fun adventures that you could ever be on. And um, I'm grateful for those of you that are here today that maybe you don't have your children here at church with you, um, but and maybe you might be, you know, some decades ahead of me in this motherhood journey um, or journey of life. I just want to thank those of you that are further along in that journey uh, for being a motherly figure to all of those here at Canvas that don't have their moms here uh, in their church or or maybe in their lives, uh, that you are, you know, that that figure that comes alongside of them and just cheers them on and loves on them and, and shares your story and your life with them. I know my mother-in-law is one of those that here at Canvas has become like a grandma to so many of you that don't have your families here and the church family. Um, I'm so grateful for all of you that really love on and, and take those other young gals under your, you know, and men under your, um, uh, under your wings and love on them and and care for them. So thank you for that. Um, But we're going to look today at a passage out of Luke chapter 7. And it's about uh, what they call the widow of Nain. And um, I had been praying for weeks about what God would lead me to share with us um, on Mother's Day because I knew I would be speaking. And the Lord dropped this passage in my heart. And um, Come on, all the, all the women at Women's Retreat started calling me the, the pastor that cries. I'm not going to be the pastor that cries this morning. Okay, women, pray for me. I did not know that last week one of the families here in our church, the Nicodemus family, would experience the loss of their father. I also didn't know that um, my family would experience loss. And, um, and so last week, uh, my family experienced loss as well. Um, my uncle, uh, fighting a battle with cancer, uh, went home to be with the Lord. And so um, I bring this message to us today with the understanding that it is a very sensitive, sensitive subject for many of us and that it can bring up emotions and, and pain and uh, pain of loss and, and some hurt. And so um, bear with me this morning. Hold on to the word this morning, amen, if that's you and you're experiencing some loss in your life and know that God, God is here, amen, and he's with us and he's going to come and bring hope and bring comfort. And so we're going to look at Luke chapter 7 and we're going to start in verse 11 and we're going to read this passage together. Luke 7 verse 11 says, soon afterward, he was on his way to a town called Nain. His disciples and a large crowd were traveling with him. Just as he neared the gate of the the town, a dead man was being carried out. He was his mother's only son, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the city was also with her. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, Don't cry. Then he came up and touched the, the open coffin, and the pallbearers stopped. And he said, young man, I tell you, get up. Verse 15, the dead man 
sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Then fear came over everyone, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen among us, and God has visited his people. This report about him went throughout all Judea and all the vicinity. We pray together. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your presence is so clearly in this place today. Lord, I thank you that you are near to your people. And God, I pray that, Lord, you would help me this morning to communicate all that you've laid in my heart for us today. And I pray that you would comfort those in this room that are experiencing pain and loss. God, I pray that you would reveal to us the great hope that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The book of Luke was written by Luke the physician. Um, it is one of the longest gospels. It is the longest gospel. Um, and uh, I believe it's because as a physician, he wanted to give us a very clear, accurate account, right? We see that in scripture. He wanted to give us a clear, accurate account. So it's a little bit longer than the other ones. Um, and so so we see that um, that this story isn't just a story. It's a We have a, a doctor's diagnosis here. There was a dead man. Um, and he, he tells us what happens here. Well, I grew up in, um, in an incredible family, and I grew up in a large family. Anybody else out there that grew up in a large family, that it wasn't just your immediate family that was around you, but it was your, your grandma and your grandpa and your aunts and your uncles and your cousins. I lived on the same driveway as my aunt, my uncle, and, and two of my cousins. And so we had a very large family. My husband was quite overwhelmed the first time he came to one of our family gatherings when um, you walk in and... You know, it's the, the, the adult table. How many of you had an adult table at Mother's Day and you had the kid table? I was at the kid's table way too long. I mean, I was over 18. I was still sitting at the kid's table. But that's because our family was so huge. And, um, and that's where we had to sit. I mean, at once all of us kids were grown up, we just decided to call it the adult table as well because we were all adults. We were no longer the kids. But I grew up in an incredible family, a great family, um, a family however, that, that didn't have a relationship with God and didn't know God. And so I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know that God loved me. I didn't know that he had a plan and a purpose for my life. And so when I began to get a little bit older and I was in high school and, and graduated high school and went into college, I, I made a series of very poor choices. And I made some decisions that led me down a very dark path and down a downward spiral. And, um, and, and it just, it was, it was not good. And it was, it, was, it was a very dark season of my life. And in fact, there was one night uh, when I was at my boyfriend's house. And in the back room, we were, we were doing lines. And those of you that know what that means, you know what that means. And, and all of a sudden, I heard somebody walk through the room and walk through the front door. And so I come out to realize that it's my mom. My mom showed up at the front door, but she didn't knock on the door. She walked right in. And she walks in, and I see her, and of course, knowing what I've been doing, I'm in shock, and she says, what are you doing? And, you know, I wasn't about to tell her what I was doing, um, you know, and, I, and so I'm, I'm scared. I'm shocked. I, I, you know, here's this woman that, that raised me the right way and taught me good morals and loved me unconditionally. Here she is, and and uh, I was not in my right mind. I was not in a good place. And so basically, um, this is our great Mother's Day story for the day. 
I ended up slapping my mother in the face. I know. And there's, there's flowers and chocolates that come every year, and Mother's Day and birthdays and Christmas, and I love you, Mom. She's, she's watching. That's why I'm looking at the camera. I'm not looking at Dan, calling him my mom. I'm looking at the camera. I slapped her in the face, and I, I said, I don't want you in my life. I want you to leave. And I watched that night as my mom raced away in her car. And um, completely lost, completely broken. And I know for my mom in that moment, she felt helpless. She felt hopeless. She felt like her, her daughter, her only daughter, was a lost cause. And we see in this passage that there's a mom in this passage that felt very lost and very hopeless. And we see that her life in this moment is completely wrecked. We see that it says that she's a widow, okay, and that she's on the way to bury her only son. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a worst case scenario for a woman at this day and age. Because for a woman, she didn't have ownership of possessions, okay? Um, ladies, we got a lot of freedoms, amen, today. Thank you, Jesus. But in this day and in this time, um, everything that the family owned belonged to the husband. And so we see that she's a widow, which means that her husband has passed away. So therefore, in that time, all of their possessions, all of the family's belongings would be passed on to the son. And so in this scenario, we see that not only is she a widow, so she's lost her husband, but she is, she is now lost her son. Her, and it says her only son. So that means that all of the family's possessions, everything that they owned, would not go to the mom. It would go to one of the husband's relatives, maybe an in-law. Do I, have any, do I have any women out there that would like to knock on the door of their in-laws to, to say, hey, can I get some bread? And this is, this is her life. Nothing that was hers and her husband's is hers anymore. She has nothing. She has no value. And in that time, it was, it was like a social and economic tragedy for a woman. If the husband passed away and now the son were to pass away. It was, it was a worst case scenario. And in that, in that situation, she would be a woman that would now live in extreme poverty. Many women in this situation would have gone and sold themselves into slavery to make a livelihood for themselves. This is where she's at. Her life is completely and utterly wrecked. She's lost her husband, which means she's already been to one funeral. And now she's on the way because she's lost her son and she's on the way to another. And the Bible tells us that she is surrounded by a crowd of people. She's surrounded by a crowd of people and some of those people are carrying the body of her son. I wonder if anyone here today, have you ever been surrounded by a crowd of people but yet felt so utterly alone? This is, this is where she's at. This is, her life is wrecked. In many ways, it seems as though it's over. And yet she's surrounded by people, but yet completely broken. But the Bible says that there was another 
crowd. Come on. There was another crowd. Jesus was with his disciples, and it says here that he was with a large crowd, a large crowd, and they were traveling to Nain. And as they approach Nain, they see another crowd coming their way. Now, this would have been common for Jesus. This would have been normal for him. At, at this point, they're, they're used to large crowds of people coming to see Jesus, right? And so this would have been normal for them to be coming along and see, oh, here comes another crowd. The disciples probably nudging each other going, oh, let's see what Jesus does next. Here, I wonder what, I wonder who they're carrying to Jesus this time. You know, wondering, is it going to, you know, is it going to be somebody that's lame? Is it going to be somebody that needs, you know, needs their eyes opened up and needs healed? I wonder, I wonder who it is today. And they see this large crowd coming, coming their way. But this time it was different. This time the crowd was weeping and they were carrying a coffin and they weren't coming out to see Jesus at all, which is what they would have expected, right? They would have thought that surely this crowd is coming because they know that Jesus is coming into the town, but instead this crowd was there on their way to a funeral. Now it's interesting to note that the name Nain means beauty or pleasantness. Beauty or pleasantness, but there wasn't anything coming out of the city that day that was beautiful or pleasant. What was coming out of Nain that day was a funeral procession. But I want to draw our attention to three distinct moments that happen in this passage. I want to draw our attention to three things that happen in this passage. And the first one is that the Lord saw. And we see it in verse 13. The Lord saw. He sees the widow, and he has compassion for her. The Lord saw the widow. She wasn't coming out to bring her son to Jesus. She didn't have anything to offer him, right? Nothing. She had no ownership of anything. She couldn't bring Jesus anything. She had nothing to offer him. She was a woman with no value, a woman that was completely wrecked. But the Bible says that Jesus, Jesus saw her. Jesus comes to those that aren't even looking for him. Did you know that? Jesus comes to those that aren't looking for him. He comes to those that don't ask for him. He comes to those who, who he comforts those who don't seek for him. He pursues those that don't even know about him. Romans 3, verses 10 through 11 say this. It says that there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. She wasn't coming seeking Jesus, but Jesus saw her. Jesus saw her. In Luke 19.10, there's another passage about a man named Zacchaeus. And Jesus saw Zacchaeus hanging up in a tree. There's another moment where Jesus saw someone. And in this passage of Luke 19 verse 10, it says that the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. Amen? He came to seek and to save that which was lost. She wasn't coming seeking Jesus. Jesus saw her in that moment. Charles Spurgeon said this. I'm just going to read it for us. Charles Spurgeon says it this way. Christ does not leave it to ourselves to seek him, or else it would be left indeed. For so vile is human nature that although heaven be offered, and though hell thunder in our ears, yet there never was and never will be any man who unconstrained by sovereign grace 
will run the way of salvation and so escape from hell and free, flee to heaven. In other words, what does, that, what does that mean for us today? It means that if you and I are sitting here today, it means that, that if we're seeking God, it means that you, you must know that it, it is only because he has first sought you. It's only because he's first sought you. He's, he, he, he made, he, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? He, um, he took the initiative, amen? He took the initiative to seek after you. Jesus has chosen to pursue her. He chose to love her. He chose to serve her. He, he comes to wrecked people. He comes to you and he comes to me, amen? He comes to you and he comes to me. After that night with my mom, I, I began to hit rock bottom. I began to hit absolute rock bottom. I was in an abusive relationship. I was hooked on meth. Um, I had been hurt and betrayed by people that I thought that I could trust. And I was, I felt utterly hopeless. And in my darkest moment, in, in the most hopeless place of my life, the, the, the worst place, the most wrecked moment of my life, Jesus intervened. He saw me, and he intervened in that moment. And when he did so, he began to surround me with Christians, with people that, that knew him. And he began to surround me with believers. And, and I didn't know what was happening. All I knew was in that darkest moment, in that darkest place of my life, that I shouldn't, made, it shouldn't have made it out of, he intervened. And I didn't even know how. I didn't even know what happened. I just knew that something changed. And all of a sudden, I go to work, and I've got these, these, you know, I, I'm the receptionist and all of the coworkers are Christians and I come in every Monday and they're talking about church and the picnic that they went to after church. And, and wasn't that so great, the message that we heard. And I'm just sitting there going, what? who are these people? How dare they be so happy, right? I mean, it just he just began to surround me. And all of a sudden, then I have a roommate that I knew from high school that needs a place to stay. And my mom's totally set me up with that one. And, and she was a Christian. And so I'm going to work, and I'm surrounded by the believers. I go home, and I'm living with a believer. I, everywhere I went, suddenly God saw this girl in the most broken moment of her life. And he said, I see you, and I'm going to intervene. I'm going to surround you. And I begin, I begin to, to see all these people and realize now, in this place that I'm at now, looking back, realizing that Christ began, began to relentlessly pursue me. He began to pursue me. I believe that there's somebody here today, you need to know that you're here because he's pursuing you. He is on pursuit of you. You're not here today worshiping with a band and listening to Pastor Ben because, because you're pursuing Jesus. You're here today, and you might have thought that it's because a friend invited you or mom said I have to go because it's Mother's Day and I better honor mama, and thank God you did. But you're not here because of that. You're here because God's pursuing you. He is knocking at the door of your heart, and he's just waiting for you to open it up. Amen? Oh, man. 
And you need to know that, that he sees you today. He sees you today. And I don't know what it is for you that looks wrecked in your life. Maybe you feel like it's the whole thing. Maybe you feel like it's that marriage that's completely wrecked. Maybe it's the relationship with a son or a daughter that feels wrecked and broken, like, like I'm sure my mom felt in that moment. Maybe, maybe it's a financial situation. You just look at it, and it's just so wrecked, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it to tomorrow. Whatever it is, you need to know and find comfort knowing that he sees Amen. He sees. But we also notice in this passage that the Lord did something else. The Lord touched. And in verse 14, he, he, verse 13, he saw. And in verse 14, he touched. Jesus reached out and touched the coffin. And now they were all shocked and they stopped in this moment because According to that time, according to the law, anyone that touched a dead body would be unclean. A, bo- a dead body was unclean. And so if you were to touch it and touch anything, you know, related to it, you would have become unclean. Numbers, Numbers 19 verse 11 says it. It says, whoever touches a dead body shall be unclean for seven days. That was, that was according to the law. But in this moment, when Jesus touched death, he didn't receive death, but he gave life. Jesus doesn't get affected by death because he has overcome death. Amen? He's overcome it. And so he didn't receive death. He gave life. And so in this moment, he touched, and they just stop in shock. What is happening? And for me, when I begin to hear more and more about God, and I'm surrounded by these these people that love God and are following God, I remember the, the first time I got invited to church. Now, you have to remember, I had never gone to church before, okay? I, the, only, the only influence I had was I went to a Catholic university, and so I had seen a Catholic chapel um, at one point, and that's really all I knew. And so I didn't know anything about church. I didn't know anything about God. And, and so when I got invited to come to church, I remember that first time. It was actually Pastor Ben that called me. Um, and he said, hey, do you want to go, yeah, huh? Um, do you want to go, go to, do you guys want to go to church with us today? And a group of friends were going to church um, tomorrow. And so I pulled the phone back from my ear, and I look at my, my roommate, and I said, hey, they want to know if we want to go to church tomorrow. You know what she did? She goes, <laughs> Katie, go to church? Now, okay, I love her, okay? We all need to spread some love, okay? No judgment here. She just knew me, right? And she was just like, what? She wasn't saying it in a mean way. She was just like, what? Kind of like in shock, like you're actually considering this? Like she probably thought the day would never come. Neither did I. Who knew, right? And then, But what happened in that moment is the enemy used those words, and turned them, and in that moment, I thought, oh, she's right, whoa, she's right, and suddenly, you know, just the, you know, everything that I'd ever done, and all the junk, and all the mess, and all the baggage, and all the stuff started coming back to me in those moments when I would be sitting in the corner of a dark room, just tripping out, 
I, I, I begin to see those things and go, oh, whoa, she's right. I am not the kind of person that's supposed to walk through the doors of a church. Because I'm sure that if those type of people walk in, boom, the lightning, right? I mean, let's just deal with them right there, you know? I mean, the, and so I just got back on the phone really quick, and I'm like, no, 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 thanks, no thanks, and just hung up. I thought, no, 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 that's not, that's not the kind of place that people like me should go to because I'll mess everything up the minute I walk in the room. I got, I'm messy, I'm dirty, I'm broken, I'm wrecked, and I got to get cleaned up before I go there. But you know what happened is the friends that were around me just continued to just show Jesus to me through their life. And the very next week, I got another phone call. Somebody else is on pursuit, too. Oh, no. And he said, hey, I know you said no last week, but just thought I'd let you know we're going to church again tomorrow. And if you want, and I'm like, yes, 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 we're going. And I hung up the phone, and I just said, we're going to church tomorrow. Because there was something I just figured. The answer to why these people are the way they are must be there. And so they're driving me crazy with all their love and kindness and all this stuff, and they're not judging me, and they're not pushing me away, and they're not treating me like trash. And so I better go there. And so I said, yes. Like, yes, better believe I'm going there. Listen to this verse. Isaiah 64, verse 6 says this. It says, but we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Can I just draw your attention to some alls in this verse? All. Again, all. And then again, we all fade as leaf. In other words, not one of us in this room can walk through those doors and say, I'm clean. I got it all together. I didn't have a bad attitude this morning on the way to church, Pastor Melissa. If you missed the first service, you need to go online this week and listen because it was a phenomenal message that Pastor Mel preached. So good. Not one of us. And the young man in the passage that we read today, the one that shouldn't be touched, the one that was considered unclean, he didn't reach out to Jesus. He wasn't able to get everything all put together and right and cleaned up before he came to the Lord. Jesus came to him and touched him. The audacity of Jesus to touch something so unclean. But I'll tell you what, every one of us in this room has been touched by the grace of God. Every one of us in this room came through these doors unclean, unworthy, and he has touched us. And because he has, we can walk with our heads high. Amen? Ephesians 2, 
Verses four and five say that, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us made us alive with the Messiah. Even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. This is how salvation works. We are dead in our sin and Jesus finds us. He sees us and he reaches out to us and gives us spiritual life. We didn't do anything. Jesus touched us. He did all the work. All we did was go, okay. Yes. Amen. Amen. And this Ladies and gentlemen, is the hope that we have as believers that though we may die in this life, we live for all eternity. Amen? And we will be joined with those that have gone before us. That is the hope that we have today. Amen? That is the comfort that we find in him. Amen? So we see that Jesus, the Lord, saw, the Lord touched, and lastly, the Lord spoke. He spoke, and at his command, he says, arise, and the sun gets up, and Jesus gives him back to his mother. And Hebrews 4.12 says something about the word of the Lord. It says that the word of God is alive and powerful. Hebrews, Hebrews 1, verses 2 and 3 says this. Hebrews 1, 2 and 3. He has spoken to us by his son. God has appointed him, Jesus, heir of all things and made the universe through him. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. By his powerful word. John 5, Verses 28 and 29 says that everyone who dies will rise. Don't be surprised, it says with a big exclamation point. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Will hear the word arise and they will rise again. Isaiah 55 verse 11, so my word that comes from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please and will prosper in what I send it to do. Now, I'm not talking about my word. This is God speaking. This is the, 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 prophet, the, the prophet Isaiah saying, this is the declaration of the Lord. And this is what he says. So my word that comes forth from my mouth, God says, will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I please and it will prosper in what I send it to do. And that's exactly what happened in my life. He looked, he saw me, he saw me in my darkest moment, in my moment of absolute utter hopelessness. And he looked down and he touched me and he spoke and he said, arise, young lady, I've got a purpose and I have a plan for your life. And ladies and gentlemen, no matter how bad life looks right now, and you need to know, because there's, there's stuff, and especially our high school students here, there, there, are, there are shows going on. 13 reasons why and, and, and the reasons and, and, and that explain and, and explain away the reason for ending life. But you need to know that no matter how dark and how desperate of times you face, that God is able to look. He sees you. 
He sees you. You might feel all alone, but you are not alone. Because the Bible says that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He is right there. And sometimes we go through seasons and times of life that we can't explain, that we have no answers for, that are hurtful, that are painful, that we didn't do anything to deserve it. But you need to know that God will work all things, the Bible says. All things, the good, the bad, the ugly, the horrible, the the, the broken. He will work it all together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. He sees, he knows, and he's ready to reach down and touch you. And he did that in my life. The daughter that my mom thought was lost, that she thought was totally wrecked and it was hopeless. And I believe that there are some other hopeless cases here today. But you need to know that God sees and he will touch and and, and, and that daughter that my mom thought was completely lost was restored. And that relationship that I thought that I had completely wrecked and that I thought I broke, my relationship with my mom, the one person in my life who was always there for me, who never judged me, who was, who was there. And even in, in moments when she shouldn't have been there, it was dangerous what she did. She took her life in her hands walking through that door that day. I know what weapons were in that apartment. I know what things were going on in there. But she took her life in her hands and she just stormed through that door because she's a mom, right? But that mom that I thought I broke relationship with, God restored. Amen? God restored that relationship and she is my best friend. Mama, I love you and you're amazing. She didn't give up on me. And God has not given up on you. Don't give up on God. And you might be here today, you might feel lost, you might feel broken, but you need to know that he sees, he's ready to touch, and he's ready to speak into that situation that you're going through. You might feel like you have no value. You might feel like you are a wreck and that you have nothing to offer Jesus. You might feel like you need to get your life cleaned up and all tidied up before you can come to him. But come on, he isn't moved but what, by what you and I can do for him. He is moved by what he has already done for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.